Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of One-on-One, a food management podcast. I'm your host, Holly Petrie, here with the latest episode. I spoke with Ian McGowan, Senior Manager of Dining Programs at Johns Hopkins University, about how the university has been adjusting to the COVID pandemic. Now they have the benefit of Johns Hopkins healthcare system, so they didn't have to worry about getting a team in and having to make all these health and safety checks. They had that already, but they did have to worry about how to feed students. So Ian and I talk about how he's been working on menu planning, how the team has been speaking with students for daily feedback, and the program's plans to go self-op in 2022. Now, here's Ian. Thank you for joining us, Ian. Um, I'd love to kind of hear what's been happening at the dining program at Johns Hopkins. Yeah, thanks, Holly. Um, so we've, we've obviously had to make a ton of changes, and, and I know you all are, are familiar with, with how crazy the industry's been. Um, but, you know, I think one of the things that we've learned is that there's been a lot of good and, and a lot of challenges that have challenged our thinking traditionally and, and really pushed the envelope from, from what we're used to doing and how we're used to doing it. Um, you know, we, we've obviously had to transition to a lot of grab and go. And unfortunately right now for students, we're not offering any indoor dining. So there's a lot of learning pains and, and growing pains there. Um, but like I said, I think we, we've had the opportunity to test things that the pandemic has, you know, pushed upon us that we normally would be a little bit more hesitant to test and, and had a lot of good successes there. And so what are some of these new programs? So uh, I know we'll probably talk a little bit more about technology <laughs> and, you know, that's, um, that's key. Talk a little bit things outside of that is, um, you know, one of the things we were very adamant about in talking with students and parents before and preparing, you know, going into the fall and the spring semesters was, was trying to hold as true to our culinary program as we could uh, and offering the, the same, you know, quality and variety that we're used to uh, with, with the understanding that a lot of that food was going to have to move differently than it, than it did in the past. And um, so everything from, from, you know, making sure that our choices for grab-and-go products and disposable goods were compostable to, to align with our sustainability goals and, um, you know, that uh, students going into the dining halls felt like they were in a familiar place, even though they had to take their food. So we, you know, eliminated a lot of the self-service points. But with that, we're able to beef up staffing areas to actually get students in and out quicker, uh, which has been a great asset for us. And um, we've played around with the staffing models at, at some of our dining locations to make sure that staff are safely distanced with each other and are able to serve students safely without feeling like there are too many people on top of each other. Uh, and then we've had a really good success with leveraging some of our local partners that we would normally work with to, you know, procure goods from. And um, they've been really supportive in offering some new and innovative grab-and-go items that we've been able to use in our market and even in some of our residential dining locations. And so you talked about, you know, grab-and-go and these new culinary innovations and kind of re- reorganizing the way that you do business. How have the students adjusted to all of these changes? I mean, it's a lot of changes from people who were there in 2019 to people who are now there in 2021. Yeah. And one of the interesting things that we, you know, we realized was a lot of first year students who came to campus had never seen the dining halls before. So the way that we were presenting things as they arrived at campus to them felt you know, as if this was that was always going to be. So we dealt with some of the competing, you know, memory bank, like you could say, of returning students and new students to make sure that returning students felt like they were a familiar space and first-year students felt like they were getting, you know, that college experience with dining that, that we, you know, kind of sold to them in, in making their selection to come to Hopkins. Um, 
you know, one of the things that we've had to adjust to and learn a little bit along with the students is how their traffic patterns have changed and how their schedules have changed with, with most, if not all, of their learning right now in a remote fashion, even for the students who are on campus. Uh, so we've had to adjust service hours a little bit, make adjustments to, you know, when we're preparing for peak times because they've all changed a good bit. Um, you know, we, we've worked with the students so that they better understand, you know, when we say grab and go, that we're not just wrapping food in plastic and handing it to them. Um, <laughs> that when we say grab and go, it's really taking our core culinary program uh, and just mobilizing it. Uh, you know, we had a lot of anxiety in talking to parents and students coming into the semester about what grab and go truly meant uh, and that we were going to do everything that we could and, and put our, you know, our minds together with culinary and the operations team to make sure that everything that we would normally do was able to be delivered. You know, obviously with the understanding that that food was going to have to be a little bit more mobile than we're used to having. Um, the, the one thing that we really ran into and are still really working with students on, and, and luckily with some some local restrictions lightening up, have had the opportunity to answer the question about where do I eat. Uh, and without any indoor dining space available right now, we had to be creative with, with what we told students and how we told students to eat around campus. Uh, and luckily now with the weather breaking, we've had some good success there. Uh, but one of the good things that's come out of, out of student learning and, and one of the things that we spoke to students a lot with was being able to gauge, engage with them around cooking. Uh, it sounds bad for someone in my position to say it's good that students are cooking for themselves, but um, you know it's great that we're able to work with them on virtual programming and cooking demos with our chefs that have showed them how to use some of the resources that we offer, whether it's in our market or C stores, uh, and how they can utilize that in their, their apartments or their dorm rooms. Be creative. Uh, because, you know, for students at the age when they come to college, a lot of them are big cooks. And, and luckily, the, one of the things the pandemic has taught us how to be is a little more self-sustained. And it's great to hear that students are having fun cooking and, you know, asking for feedback. And, and some of the stuff we put out on social media and through virtual programming with some of our campus partners has leveraged that and, and really kind of um, utilized their excitement around that to, to our benefit. And so can you describe this program? It actually sounds really interesting. So are you showing these things on social media and giving people ways to get the ingredients at the C-Store or to grab some grab-and-go items and, and do something with them at home? Yeah, so we've done it a few different ways. So we either try to leverage items that are available in our, our campus market or what we've done that's been actually a lot of fun is put together a kit for a student to pick up in, in what's been our residential dining locations with all the ingredients that they need. Um, you know, even some disposable aluminum pans or something that we think that they may not have. Um, we did a, uh, a hand pie and a pie program around Thanksgiving where students were given all the ingredients, some that we prepped for them just to make things a little easier. And, you know, when you're cooking a demo, you can see them struggling a little bit. So we wanted to make sure to help that along. Uh, but then some of the tools that they needed to, to get through that demo and our executive chef taught a virtual cooking class uh, with all of those items. We gave them the recipe card and all the breakdown. Uh, and then left them with a little bit of extra stuff, uh, whether it was some of the fruit or we did, I think we did a sweet and a savory pie, if I remember correctly, uh, for them to play with on their own after the demo was over. And a little bit of that was teaching them along, um, you know, as we talked through the demo and actually, you know, in playing to the Thanksgiving theme, we're able to have some time after the demo was over to, you know, almost sit down and enjoy the food together and, and have a little bit of a conversation around the food as opposed to them just trying to cook along with us. So it's been really good asset for us to utilize not only teaching students how to cook but getting some conversations about food and, and how things have changed during the pandemic uh starting with students and based on these conversations that you've been having with students do you think that programs like this will continue i mean it sounds like it's a good 
resource for students to have, you know, when they graduate and they don't have you and your dining services to feed them. Yeah, like I said, with a few things, um, the pandemic uh, has challenged our thinking a good bit uh, and honestly created, and you know, through us creating these types of programs and operational changes are things that we know we just can't get rid of after the pandemic's over. So, um, you know, it's given us, it's already taken care of some future planning, which is <laughs> awesome. Uh, and these demos are definitely something that, that we have continued and will continue. We're planning a pizza one right now working with Res Life and campus security to bring campus partners together. So it's been a really good asset for that as well. Uh, and then honestly giving students a different way to interact with their peers and staff and faculty uh, because they are a little bit, you know, in that lockdown mode still, which is tough. And then, you know, we understand that students at that age you know, have a lot of energy and, and good energy. And, and one of the cool parts about working at Hopkins is uh, the students are all very intelligent and they're thinkers. So we use food to kind of leverage that and play into that hand a little bit. Yeah, and part of the whole environment at Hopkins and the caliber of students is that they are so well-versed with technology. So I'd love to hear how you guys are using technology for your programming in 2021 and beyond. Sure. So like I mentioned before, uh, like I think most of our, our colleagues and peers in the industry have, have done is uh, we've leveraged a new mobile platform that we've had uh, some early success with and something that was in our planning to roll out in, in fall of 21 pre-pandemic. So we had already gone through some of the planning phases, which was great because it sped up the implementation time. Uh, but some of the things that we've been able to do within the app have been really cool, too. It, it has a communication function so we can bump messages to students who use the app. Um, we realized it gives students a way to kind of shop campus before they would go somewhere. You know, traditionally, a student would pick a place to go eat for lunch, go, and then be limited to whatever it was, you know, the options were there. Now the mobile application's given us the ability for them to, you know, hang out in their dorm, plan lunch a few minutes early, shop basically what's the entirety of campus dining, figure out where they want to eat their lunch, order it, and, and then go pick it up in, in a safe and efficient manner. So it's been really cool that outside of the, you know, the rigidity of, of just ordering through the mobile app, is it's allowed them to to be a little bit more of a, you know, conscious consumer and think through their meals as opposed to when they're used to rushing in between classes and grabbing whichever thing seems most convenient. Uh, and it's also actually helped us with, with operations and, uh, you know, with the staff being able to read their full orders as they're preparing them, as opposed to someone going down a line and picking ingredients to a salad or a sandwich. It's actually sped up the production time for staff because they had that full order right in front of them. They're able to grab the ingredients they need, package it up and go. So it almost seems like we're able to put more orders out, you know, in that 15 or 30 minute window than we have been traditionally. And so what is it like? I mean, this is maybe maybe just the second or third group of students that you guys have had that have really been the technology generation. And then you come into something like the pandemic where it's all technology. What was that change like for you guys as a staff? Yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. <laughs> um, and and uh, luckily, we had been um, you know testing some things out beforehand, knowing that this age was upon us. Uh, and I think one of the things that we've really seen as an asset um, is our student advisory group, who we interact with through through Microsoft Teams, uh, and have you know what was used used to be a monthly or a bi-monthly meeting where we had everyone for a dinner and it was a feedback session. We talked about new initiatives. We now are able to use this dashboard where we communicate with them informally on a pretty regular basis. So if we have a question about something that comes up during planning or an idea that we have or, or if we're seeing a group of feedback from students that we wanted to field with them for you know, a resolution, we're able to bounce that idea off them in, in what's become a little bit more informal, uh, but is what has resulted more more feedback from that student group. 
Uh, and same thing with parents. Uh, we've had a lot of virtual sessions with parents uh, and, and families before they come to campus and being able to talk to them in a little bit more face-to-face manner uh, in what would traditionally be, you know, campus visit days or something like that, where you can only get to as many people uh, as they can churn through in a line or something at, a, at an info table. So even interacting with, with families and, and students before they even come to campus has been a great asset for us in just getting out the message, letting them understand dining a bit better so that when they come to campus, it's just not, you know, a big shock moment of trying to figure everything out at once. So I think the ability to interact with people much differently, specifically students, has been a really good asset with us and, and the way we use technology, especially within our office. Especially for those students who are just entering the dining hall for the first time this year and have no idea what what to expect. It's not like the movies where it shows a college dining hall now. It's COVID. It's very different. Um, have any of these conversations impacted the way that you guys cook your food or the cuisines that you cook? Have they informed any menu planning? They have. And, and, and one of the nice parts, again, about working at Hopkins is we have an extremely diverse group of students. Uh, it seems like year after year, it gets more and more diverse. And we learn things about new allergies and international cuisines, student favorites. Uh, I think one of the things that um, we've learned through, especially in the pandemic, is uh, keeping things simple. You know, it's a time where students have found a lot of comfort in food, specifically during the colder months here, you know, in, in the mid-Atlantic, it can be tough, especially when you're a student, and you, you know, you're taking 14, 15, 16 credits, it's a lot of work, and sometimes food is uh, just as much functional as it is, uh, you know, a, a point of, of relief and comfort, and so I think keeping things simple has been what we've really focused on this semester, and, and we've heard great feedback from students that that's been effective. And then it's actually given us the ability to then push some more challenging things and try out some new, you know, cuisines or, or new culinary ventures uh, after we've kind of set our new baseline and been comfortable in what we know works and, and what students want to see. We started to feel feedback about things that they miss from home or, um, you know, we're, we're currently talking about some planning around Ramadan and talking to the Muslim Student Association about some favorites uh, around that holiday. So we've, we've been able to interact a little bit more and get more creative as we've gotten more comfortable in our new model. Yeah, and you also mentioned like the health of foods, which is really interesting because at Johns Hopkins University, you're affiliated with the hospital that's kind of become the center of COVID, the 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 driving force on all of the metrics we have across the country. How has that changed the way that you feed students, knowing that a lot of these people are in the medical field or will be in the medical field and, and are more aware of what's happening in the world than maybe an average college student? Yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely not an asset that uh, we will ever take for granted again. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, we work obviously quite closely with the hospital and uh, our health and safety groups overlap. So in, in doing all of our planning before students even came to campus, we had health, safety, environment, reviewing our plans and going over those types of items about how to keep staff safe and influencing a lot of decisions we were making operationally with safety and, and the well-being of our staff really driving a lot of them. So that was important because we knew there wasn't going to be a scenario where we could bring students back to campus if, you know, there wasn't a way to feed them and, and keep them fed safely and efficiently. Uh, so, you know, being able to leverage some of the epidemiology staff and, and some of the, the public health professionals down there was, was priceless to, you know, that's, that's underselling it. But, um, and then working with them continually to help us kind of figure out new ways to, to manage and, and keep an eye on staff and, you know, everything from the simple use of PPE, which, um, you know, is, isn't going anywhere anytime soon, all the way up to testing policies and, and, you know, regular testing of staff to maintain, 
you know, health and safety amongst those environments and ensuring that we can bring staff safely to work every day. And then, you know, the occasional time where there is, you know, a positive notification of a staff, how to react to those things and um, how not to overreact. Because I think that was one of the things we were afraid of was that if someone were to get sick or something, you know, that would be perceived bad to happen, that it would cause, you know, a little bit more disruption than we wanted to and working with them and utilizing some of their messaging and language has helped us, you know, kind of handle those situations as professionally and efficiently as we can. Um, and it's, it's been, it's been really the one reason and, and the one asset that we've used most to make sure that we're, we're maintaining, you know, an efficient and a safe uh, operation. Well, a lot of places have had to bring in someone to do what you had the hospital for, which is such a nice bonus in times when everybody was just scrambling to, to make do. For sure. And it's definitely paid off. <laughs> well, are there any other exciting programs you'd like to highlight happening at Johns Hopkins? Um, yeah, we're, we've just started really getting into our fall programming and are, are, are optimistic about bringing back as many students as we can and, and um, you know, all the things that we, we had to, to shelf that we were planning for for this past fall opening and uh, getting to roll out some new programs on the culinary side and, and revamping, um, you know, some of our offerings on campus now with, with this new pandemic mentality, um, which, like I said, has, has been given us some good opportunities like mobile and like how we change, um, you know, how we serve food on campus. We've been looking at pantry programs, you know, your, your kind of hello freshes of the world and how we can bring that to campus. And it's something that we're going to look forward to in the fall. And then during the pandemic, you know, we made what could be considered a, a pretty a wild decision to take the dining program self-operated uh, starting in uh, the summer of 2022. So we're uh, just kicking off some, some of the major planning around that and look forward to, um, you know, kind of reworking and then re-envisioning re the program starting in the fall of 2022. Wow, that was that is an exciting thing to be looking forward to, but that is that's a big project. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> what made you guys decide to go self-op? So we were we were coming to the end of our, our current agreement with Bon Appetit and um, had been looking a lot at what will be some exciting physical developments for campus, uh, specifically with expanding the dining footprint um, in a couple new locations and then, you know, rethinking what the vision of current locations would look like. And one of the things that Hopkins is a huge advocate of is, you know, the local market being, you know, a Baltimore first school and how do we work within the city and, and you know, be a good partner, especially in the food business uh, and, and looking forward to aligning a bit differently with how we partner with local businesses and potentially bring some of them on campus, uh, as well as the strategic planning that's gone on with the housing and dining group. Uh, we just thought it was a better way for us to align with a lot of those goals from a strategic standpoint. Uh, and something that we thought we could make happen operationally given the right time for planning um, and then have a lot of good good assets in play within the university. And, um, you know, I saw you all talk to Angelo Mojica recently. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're a great asset at the hospital group who've just done a similar project. So, you know, we have some great resources internally to leverage the expertise of and, um, you know, looking forward to, to what it's going to, you know, allow us to bring to campus for dining. Yeah, and a really great opportunity for a lot of local businesses to get more involved when they've had a really tough year. So it's really great to kind of combine the two groups together. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you, Ian, so much for speaking with me today. I really appreciated hearing everything that's going on at Johns Hopkins. It's really exciting. Yeah, thank you. It's nice speaking to you as well, Holly. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of One on One. We'll be back next Friday with a brand new episode. Until then, stay safe.